0: Good morning, good morning, Rabbotai. Breakfast is sponsored in loving memory of Yisachar Simantov, Alev Shalom and Sammi Simantov, Alev HaShalom. Lilun Yishmatim Yisachar Ben Tamar, and Sarah Batne Hama, Alev HaShalom, sponsored by the Simantov family. Rabbotai, it's almost here. Today is Thursday, tomorrow is Friday, after that is Shabbat, Mutz Shabbat is the night of Shavuot. First of all, I want to tell everyone we're going to have this week in the synagogue, we're going to have this week, um, a, uh, sorry, can you close the door please? We're going to have this week in the synagogue alongside the tikkun. The tikkun is going to be read from 11 till four. We're going to have a class from 12 o'clock at midnight, a class with coffees and cakes and desserts. So come to the synagogue, it's called the night that everything changed. That is our class for Shavuot at midnight. We'd love to see you. Okay, Rabbutai, listen to this. We have Shavuot coming, a l'inu l'tovah, it's an unbelievable time. There's a minhag and a custom for us to read on the holiday of Shavuot, we read the Megillah of Rut. Now, there's many reasons why we read the Megillah of Rut on Shavuot. I'm sure many of you will have heard, even from your children, they will have told you they come home from school, and they'll tell you why they read uh, Megillah of Ruth, but I, I want to share maybe uh, an insight that I think is uh, quite an interesting one. The Megillah of Ruth, our, our rabbis tell us, the reason why we read it, it's, it doesn't have in it any uh, uh, mitzvot. It doesn't have, it doesn't tell us about any averot. The, the Midrash, when it says, it says, embo lo yisuv lo It doesn't have any, uh, um, what's it called, uh, a thing but the story itself. So why is it that it's reiterated to us? on the day of Shavuot, and the, uh, and the Midrash explains the reason why we read root is because the whole thing is one long story of Gemilut of, Hasadim, of acts of kindness. The act of kindness of Boaz, where he's uh, providing food, you know, providing the Sidakah for all the Aniim, where a young woman who, who has nothing, she's a widow, she has a mother-in-law. She needs to feed them. She's collecting, and instead of people antagonizing her and bothering her, she comes along. She tells them to protect her. This woman who sees her mother-in-law, who has nothing, and travels back with her. Ruth travels back with Naomi. The whole story is one big chain of uh, hesed, one after the next. And I think, and I think, and I thought that that's a remarkable interpretation about what Shavuot is. You see, when we think about Kriyat Torah, when we think about uh, Kabbalat Torah, many of us think about the obligations that the Torah uh, instills and it imposes upon us through its many, many laws. But by reading root on this day, we communicate that the point and the power of Matan Torah is that it changes people into a people that are capable of acting in the most refined of ways. From the beginning until the end. Megilat Rut is one big act of hesed, of sensitivity towards someone else, of understanding something through someone else's eyes. That is this story. And Rabutai, that is the story of Shavuot. Now I want to point out, there's something to me which is magnificent about this. We are all familiar with the, with the fact that the end of Rut, tells us that Ruth goes and she's with Boaz, and Boaz they have a son, Oved, and Oved gives birth to Yishai, and Yishai Holid ate David. Yishai gives birth to David. This woman, from this liaison, from the act of kindness that she did with Naomi, which everyone in the world would have told her what? You're crazy. She was royalty, Ruth. Now she married this guy. Okay, she married a very rich guy. You know, the children of, of, uh, of Elimelech, Machlon and Kilion. She married this rich Jewish guy that moved out of town. She thought maybe, you know, Jewish men treat their wives nicely. You know, okay, fine. But Rabutai, when when they die, and Naomi has nobody for them, and everyone says to, to Ruth, you should follow in the ways of your sister-in-law. What's Ruth's sister-in-law's name? Orpah. She's called Orpah because Orpah means the back of the neck. She showed Naomi the back of her neck, she walked away. Who made the right move for their future? Who made the right move, would you think, you know, to protect themselves when they're looking out for themselves? Orpah made the right move. Naomi had nothing to offer. She was poor, she was going back to a country where people were poor. It was poverty-stricken. There was a drought. That's why Eli Melech left in the first place. And yet, who is the one that winds up producing the um, most unbelievable royalty that transcends time? Its root in the end of the story, it's her Chesed that comes back and brings from her not just David, but Melech Hamashiach, the King Messiah himself. We never lose out when we give to others with all of our hearts, Rabotai. <clears throat> that is the message of the Torah. You think that being selfish, that being selfish protects you, Rabotai. Being selfless protects you. And the crazy thing is, that in the fullness of time, I think when I'm doing something selfless, I'm doing it because it's a mitzvah. If I was looking out for myself, I would do the other thing. But you know what? I'm going to overlook that. I'm going to do something else. No in the fullness of time, it always comes back. Rabotai, there's something crazy about the creation of Mashiach. The Pasuk tells us that Mashiach comes about from two interesting stories with women. One story is the story of Ruth Rabotai, this interesting story about who she marries, how they die, the yibum of Boaz in the threshing floor of his, uh, of his place. Some people looked askance, they said maybe her mar- marrying her isn't the right thing. She comes from the wrong tribe. She comes from the wrong family. It's not the right thing. Barz is the biggest tzaddik of his generation. It's inappropriate, they should have said. And yet there's also another woman, Tamar, who goes through also an inappropriate <coughs> liaison, at least in the way that it seems. And from that is created Mashiach. The order Haim HaKadosh writes that in order to create Mashiach, it has to be created in a hidden place. Great things, the greatest things that the Jewish people have need to be created in hidden places. Why? The Torah Hayim explains because when something is straightforward and clear and, and clean, the Yetzer Hara knows that he needs to attack it. But when something is a little bit dirty, a little bit inappropriate, a little bit, uh, not the right thing, not the right way, then the does it, leaves it alone. That's what Haim writes. So in the story of Yehudan Tamar, Yetzirah figures, you know what, this is anyway not gonna be anything major. I don't need to get involved over here. You know, anyway, this is a whole inappropriate, you know, like the Yetzirah, he don't need to go to New Orleans. He don't need to hang out in Las Vegas. His work is done by itself over there. The Yetzirah needs to come The places that... He needs to come to the Beit knesset, He needs to come to the Torah learning and and wean you away over there. That's his place of battle. Not the places where he's got you anyway. Listen to this, Rabbi So therefore, the Or Ha'im says, you want to create Mashiach, redemption happens in the darkest, in the dirtiest of places. Now let me share with you why I think that's such an important lesson and why we have to read that on Shavuot. You know, I think many times, people make a mistake. They think that learning Torah is for boys in yeshiva. And if I ever had a chance to learn in yeshiva for my one year, I spent one year in yeshiva I learned in Israel. When's the next time you're gonna pick up a book after that? Maybe never. Maybe you go to a class and the rabbi tells you something very nice, Hazaku Baruch, the WhatsApp. But when you're gonna open a book? When you're gonna struggle? When you're gonna try and work it out yourself? When are you going to study with a havruta, a study partner? Not someone who's teaching you, but someone who each of you is teaching the other because you're on the same level. When are you going to do that? The Torah is communicating to you. Torah does not belong to superheroes. It doesn't belong only to the cleanest of people with uncomplicated backgrounds. The nature of Torah is people who are living in compromised situations people who maybe they're living with their girlfriend and it's not so nice and maybe they're doing this and maybe they're doing that and maybe they don't eat kosher and maybe they keep half of shabbat and maybe you know they're not so careful with their words and maybe people that are regular people the torah was not given to the angels when moses goes up to the heaven the angels say, give it to us god says i don't want to give you the torah the whole point of it was for people who could eat pig the point of it was for people who struggle when they go past the restaurant and they say, you know what? It's not kosher, Rabbi, but it's vegan, so I'm sure it's fine. Rohi, if you know anything about the way they make food today, vegan is not kosher. Mihila, for saying it as it is. You open up the ingredients, you'll see what goes into things that are ostensibly vegan. It's not kosher, and I've had to learn this the hard way, Rabbi Tai. There's limitations as to how much needs to be reported on the thing. Who's cooking it? Are the kelim that they use, were they ever used for something else? There's so many halachic problems that people just are not aware of. And that's why you have kashrut agencies. Kashrut agencies don't make food kosher. They don't bless it. Kashrut agencies look and pay attention to make sure that the food that you're eating is, is, uh, is kosher I remember once I was in mashkiach and I sat in the, a place where every single thing in the restaurant was kosher I opened up the refrigerator, the refrigerator is locked everything in the thing is sealed everything in the thing has an OU the place looks pristine and I wondered to myself why did my dad send me as a mashkiach everything is kosher, just unlock it in the morning and then while I'm sitting there the Chinese guy walks in with holding a ham sandwich I said, excuse me, what is that? He goes oh no this is not for the guests this is not for the customers this is my lunch i said yeah but you're eating it while you're making the food in the wok <laughs> you can't have that food in here wash your hands with soap go to the mikveh and then come back i'll let you cook do you understand the torah was not given to perfect people the torah was given to broken people who are attempting to be perfect so we read the story about root Someone who came from so far away. Maybe made the wrong choices. Maybe was living a life that wasn't so great in her own home country. But you know what? She makes one good decision. I'm going to do the right thing by my mother-in-law. And then she makes another good decision. She's going to dress appropriately. And she makes another good decision. She sees a guy. Maybe she's young. She can marry someone. But she sees a person who's righteous bars. And she listens to her mother-in-law. And she says, If he will marry you, he's a sadiq." Yes, you could choose someone who's more fit and could lift more in the gym and maybe who has less wrinkles. But look at who this person is. Ruth's correct decisions. Look at what they give her. Everything that she thought she lost, she gave up by coming to the Torah, the royalty of her past, she got back in one fell swoop with the right decision. That's why we read Ruth on this day. That's why we talk about uh, Mashiach in this context so that we will understand that the Torah belongs to all of us. And I want to share with you one scary thought before I end. There's a book called, I think it's called, the Shvut Yaakov, if I'm not mistaken. And in it he writes something that is frightening. He says that there was a certain Rabbi of Papa who was, uh, had a dream, and in his dream they, told, they showed him the pasuk. Lo Mu sefer torah he wakes up in a sweat. What does it say? Those words, what do they mean? This Torah, it will not depart. But he prays to Hashem. He says, please, it's not enough for me to know that the Torah is gonna to stay with me. I want to also know, I'm gonna pass it on. He goes back to bed after crying to Hashem, and they show him in his dream the continuation of the Pasuk. Loya Musafra Torah Umipi, umipi zaracha. and from the mouth of your children he wakes up again in a sweat he says wow unbelievable the Torah is going to stay with me and with my sons he says "But olam, please it's not enough just to me that just me and my son remember the Torah what about my grandson what about the children afterwards he goes back to bed after crying to Hashem and he has a third dream and in the third dream they show him the Pasuk lo yamu Torah Umipi Zaracha. Umipi zera zaracha. From the, cho- the children of your children. I remember reading this Gemara thinking, Uli, this Gemara is going to go on forever. Hadeh is going to keep waking up, asking for the next generation after that to learn Torah. Ends the Gemara, the Gemara anticipates that and says, once he saw that, he didn't pray anymore. Why? Because once he saw that it was him, and his son, and his grandson, chut ha-mishulash, A a string that is wound three times three ply string will not be easily broken. So if I have three generations of children that are dedicated to Torah and Mitzvot, then I can know that that's going to be something that's going to stay forever. He doesn't need to pray anymore. He doesn't need to have any more dreams. He's happy. I saw an unbelievable thing in there. It says, why did he have to get up middle of the night and pray? Hashem is going to show him the whole Pasuk. He, what do you need to wake him up three times in the middle of the night for in order to have the dream in three different parts? Let him sleep the night, have one dream, will wake up in the morning refreshed. You know the most annoying creature on earth? The mosquito. You know why it's so annoying? Because at night, before he bites you, he buzzes in your ear. Dachilek, you want to bite me? Bite me on my face. Leave me alone. What do you got to wake me up for? In order to know that I've been bitten? I gets me crazy. Rabutai, what is Hashem being like a mosquito? Is a beracha. The guy wakes up. Okay, go back to sleep. This is another beracha. What for? The Yaakov writes, unbelievable. He says that the greatest tzaddikim need to shed the biggest tears that their children should be like them. Why? He says, surely it's obvious. Your great Sadiq. That's what you showed in your house. That's what the kids will learn. Says the book, he says, unbelievable, this, this uh, Shut Yaakov. He says, If the children of rabbis would automatically be rabbis and sadikim, all the people in the world would think that the Torah is an inheritance that's given from the righteous to their righteous children. So therefore, there's an extra impediment for the children of the great leaders and rabbis to follow in their footsteps so that no one should say that it just happens because they're the kids of. So that everyone will think, you know what, maybe my kids, maybe my children could also be great leaders, great scholars, great sadiqim, sensitive to people's needs, a beautiful tongue, complimentary, etc., etc. And then each and every one of us will give it our all to be able to take the lessons of Torah, inculcate them in ourselves. <speaking> in <Hebrew> and after we pray and make that effort, transfer to our children, and after we cry and pray and make all of our efforts and show God how important it is to us. <speaking in Hebrew>